All right, everyone. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. I'm Crystal, the hot widow of Eric. And with me tonight, I have Allie, the very hot widow of Ross. Hello. She's got the cutest uh, stocking cap on today. I can't wait for her to share the story. Okay. Special guest in studio, we have Sarah tonight, who is the hot widow of Nick. Hello. And Sarah actually came to us. It's super exciting because Allie and I have not met Sarah. We know nothing about her or her journey yeah. or story. But Becky introduced us to Sarah. So our little network of hot widows is growing. Yeah. I mean, it's like that club that you don't actually ever want to be a part of. But then when you meet other people that are a part of it, it's such a like you feel like you know them already. It's such yeah. a kindred experience. It is a kindred experience. It's like, oh, you're a widow. We're best friends. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> we just love each other. We get it. My girls give me the side eye. She's like, well, you know, I love you. <laughs> All right. So Al has, she comes into studio with the stocking cap on, <laughs> half on her head, looking like a gangster. I, and she, I said, why is your hat like that? So Al, tell us, tell us why your hat looks okay. like that. Hank, I, the reason I was really, I don't care what you think, Crystal, but I didn't want Sarah to think I was crazy <laughs> is, so Hank, my four-year-old, he threw a, it was actually a board game of some kind, but I didn't realize there was a sharp edge. He was very angry. He lost. He yeah. <laughs> fucking board there. Suck it. And he wasn't throwing it at me, but he threw it in my direction and it hit me straight on the forehead and just sliced my <laughs> forehead open. And so I'm wearing a Peppa Pig band-aid <laughs> and I on my forehead and I thought I'll just cover it up with my Creighton beanie because Creighton's playing today. Go Ooh. Jays. Shout out. Go Jays. Yes. Go Jays. Yeah. So 1.30 kicking mm-hmm. off. Yes. Tipping off. They don't kick off in basketball. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. sports. <laughs> yes. Just want both teams to win. Actually, I want Creighton to win. <laughs> uh, yeah. So funny story, Sarah. This is totally Allie and I. We go last night to this fundraiser that we were supporting a local Omaha charity. And it's called the Mom Prom. And so Allie and I thought that the theme was 80s. So we literally go 80s. And Allie. Yes. We knew the assignment. Yeah. She summed it up best. And we showed up. We showed up. We showed up. So fucking cool. Guess what? It was an 80s Not theme. Not an 80s theme. <laughs> but we killed it. We were the only ones. in Renee. Renee, yes. In 80s prom dresses. Like we. <laughs> we showed up. Our hair hard. was 80s. And we. Sh- so we get there. And I'm looking around. And nobody else is in 80s. Like everybody else is in just normal prom dresses. Probably the prom dresses they wore, I think. Some. Some. I mean, there were beautiful women. Beautiful. In their last thing. Bridesmaids Stunning. dresses. Like, I think we went, we ended up going back and rereading it because we're like, why is nobody in 80s? <laughs> I'm picturing a very Romy and Michelle vibe that you guys had going it, on. It kind of was. It was. It was. Oh my gosh. Allie looked stunning. She shows so up, did she you. opens the door and she's in this magenta blue, like royal blue. It is stunning dress. It's halter top, like peplum at the bottom and her red hair. Girl, <laughs> I can't. She 80s. was amazing. It was perfect. You look great too. Oh, well, we were perfect. It was awesome. Vintage is in. So. Yeah. We did get a lot of compliments because we did look so different. We did look different. <laughs> Only us. Only the <laughs> HWCP shows up like that. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else do I have for the audience? Uh, I'm getting a new bed. That's a pretty big deal. 
So Connie, hot widow Connie, she talks me into getting this adjustable frame bed. Okay. Because what 40-year-old woman doesn't need an adjustable frame bed? Yes. (laughs) So I can lay in bed and put my feet up. But also, I feel like if you don't invest in a great bed, especially as you get to that like late 30s, early 40s, you can sleep wrong and you feel it for the next four years. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's an investment that we all want to spend more time in bed. But you want to make the most of the time that you've got in exactly. bed. And mm-hmm. I definitely do not want to sleep on a shitty mattress anymore. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I, totally. totally. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I exist in my bed. Like, I spend so much time there. I get home from work and then make the kids dinner. I sit down in my bed. Well, my kids are a little bit older, right? So they do their own things. Benny comes in. We play games in my bed. I work in my bed. I just exist in my bed. So I wanted mm-hmm. to be comfortable. It's your favorite place. It is my favorite and safest. Like, it just feels mm-hmm. good. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go to get this bed and I'm not going to be defamatory against the brand that I chose, but I, we have a king size bed. And so I chose this brand that was not smart, but I go to ring up and it was $6,666.67. I can't get over. It. It's a sign of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. We need to change the price of the bed. Exactly. <laughs> so I go home and I'm researching the name of the mattress and like it felt good when I was sleeping on it. Or laying on it. I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I wish testing. It Anyways, testing it. I go home and the reviews are like 50-50 on this mattress. And I'm like, for the sign of the devil, plus six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I am not getting this bed. So I called them back and I was like, we're gonna go to this model. And my bill was significantly cheaper. Mm. And it didn't have the sign of the devil on me. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I couldn't take that sign. No. Do you much. still get like a 60 day warranty that yes. will turn it in? Not like a 66 day warranty. <laughs> 666. <laughs> to try it out, see what you think. <laughs> because you rang up like this. Yeah. So, anyways, that bed is coming tomorrow. I'm super excited about it. Adjustable frame. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be pretty, pretty badass for me. So, Al, what's new with you? What do you got? I, I just have one update. Okay. On my hip hop dance class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Sarah, I decided to do something new this year. That was kind of my New Year's resolution. And so me and my good friend Renee decided to do a hip hop class, Mm -hmm. like dance, actual dance class. And we found out, I don't know, three weeks in that we're doing a recital. (laughs) So every week we've been learning like, I don't know, 10 seconds or 20 seconds of this dance routine. And this week, (laughs) Renee and I were told, that we are doing somersaults t- towards each other in the front row of our dancer team. Hard pass. <laughs> so that's where we're at. It's going to be great. Sounds great. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I got a sneak preview of this last night at the mom prom. It was phenomenal. Also, they're judgy. So they were bitching about one of their dancers and they go, he's not even going to be at the recital. <laughs> Okay, anybody that knows me knows I'm super competitive. And I'm like, even though I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm like, we need to all get our asses together and do this routine correctly. At the mom prom? No, just talking. Renee was there. So we were just, you know, talking about our class, talking about our reset. We're very excited. We don't live exciting lives, but this is exciting. It's our favorite thing of the week. And I just wanted to give an update to everybody. That's where we're at. 
Because <laughs> yeah, I was picturing you trying to do the flip in the 80s prom dress. <laughs> oh and my I gosh, was really that... impressed. Oh yeah, no, no, not the somersault. Renee is very nervous about doing it. We have to do this on a hard floor, like in front of people. And then we go straight into so so the dance is we do a, a somersault and then we go straight into the coffee grinder. And we're gonna be in the front row of our what routine. Is a coffee grinder. So I had to look this up. You basically twirl one leg around your body. <laughs> oh, God. I like a helicopter. Like twist your shirt, take your shirt off and twist it around your head like a helicopter. No, no. I Leg, like your Pete leg. Pablo, that's a lyric. To oh, me. OK. <laughs> but your leg, too, is cool. I need a video of that. Yes. So that's that's my update. OK. Uh, so it's spring in Nebraska. We always give a weather update. Clothes. Yesterday I had on shorts. And an oversized sweatshirt. They I love these updates. Four inches of snow on the ground. And I have on two shirts, one pair of pants. I love that you go by what you're wearing. Like, I just, this would be Allie's update. Okay, I was shocked. I had no idea, maybe you gals knew, that it was going to snow. No. I no. woke up this morning, just like, la la la, open the window. I'm like, there's snow out right. there and it's snowing. And it was like the thick, wet snow. Yeah. Yes. Like it wasn't just a little dusting. It was like, why is there five inches on the ground this morning? Yeah, I was. <laughs> when did that happen? By I, the way? I completely missed that weather update. Like, yeah. I okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't prepared. I had no idea. I got up and I was like, I didn't wear a coat yesterday. Right. Like it was gorgeous outside. Yeah. Crystal's got shorts on. Who decided yeah. it was snowing? I know. Where did Nebraska. this come from? I'm with you guys. So that's Nebraska weather for you. It was yeah. like 60 yesterday. I mean, they like to keep us on our toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I made a note to talk about this. And it's so funny how the things I make notes to talk about are already like they just naturally come up organically. And the note that I made today to talk about is why do I only feel close to widows? Hmm. And it's like one of those topics that I've been wanting to talk about because I love so many people in my life, but the closest people that I feel closest to are the widows. I don't even know them, but I know them. Yeah. Do you guys feel that way? Yes. Hold on. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And I feel like I know Sarah. Yeah. And I don't. Right? I haven't even heard your story. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I know. I already feel connected. Yeah. It is the weirdest feeling. So Allie and I, like, we are so busy. Like, we do not do this full time. We don't. Obviously, you know, we barely manage our social media. Yeah. We scramble to get this recording done. We make this a priority, even when it, we're really struggling, right? This is an expense to us, but it's so special. Mm-hmm. It means so much. But last two months, we were talking about how hard it was to, like, to show up for this and to be here. And so I was going through our social media on Tuesday night. I had some time and I was like, Allie, oh, my gosh, we have all these unread messages we need to respond to and we did I did and I was so grateful that I did but as I'm writing them I'm like you're my best friend you're my best friend you're my best friend (laughs) and so many of them were saying like I want what you and Allie have I want to find that that friend and I was like we're it we'll be your friend you know we'll we'll show up and, and come here every week just to make sure every two weeks just to make sure we're we're sharing that message out there but I thought I would open that up to you guys to see if you had any thoughts on that yeah absolutely Sarah what do you think So when I first lost my husband, I didn't know anyone who had gone through this experience. I was 32. 
um, and didn't really have anyone to connect to, to talk to. And you'd mentioned Becky, who was Mm -hmm. on a couple weeks ago. And after she lost her husband, Garner, I had this renewed sense of purpose to be able to be a person for her. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's experience is different. And so it isn't right to say, I know how you feel, but it's also, I probably have a better idea of how you feel than most people do. And we had been friends before, but we really connected after that because as you're going through those emotions and they're so raw and sometimes you're really upset and sometimes you're really pissed and sometimes people say things to you that are very triggering and you might have in the moment what feels like a really ugly reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And so I was that person for her to be able to say, say it to me and I'm not going to judge you. Like you can say whatever you want, however raw it might be. And I will give you so much grace and compassion And being able to also share my feelings with her and talk through my story and to be able to cry together and not have anyone feel like they have to fix it or to say something to make it better because nothing's going to, I think is just so powerful that you can connect on a level of as friends that maybe most people don't always get that opportunity that when you go through the worst moment of your life and you can share that experience with someone else who doesn't get it, but does get it. It's great. Well said. Yeah, really well said. Perfectly articulated. (laughs) Stunned over here. I'm at a loss, which is rare. Uh, I have a friend, a widow friend of mine, and he and I were talking a few weeks back and he said something like, don't judge me. And I know him pretty well. I don't know him super, super well. But anyways, I said, we're widow friends. Like judgment went out the window the minute we met. There's no judging what we do in this widow world at all because we've all done something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most special thing about being a widow is that we don't we don't judge the experience. We don't judge what happens afterwards. You just show up. It's mm-hmm. like 80s parties. You just are there. It makes sense. And yeah, I, I get you. It's like yeah. you said. And, and here I am. And I know I feel like every widow that we've had on or widower has said, you know, finding that community in the, that widowhood is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's not something that people talk about. Right. Like, I, I don't know about your experiences as people would find out, but I feel like when people would ask me, you know, they'd see as I was still wearing my wedding ring, you know, oh, are you married? What does your husband do? And you immediately get this feeling of like, oh, well, this conversation's about to take a dark turn right. and be and then saying, you know, oh, no, my husband's passed away. I'm a widow. And then people freeze and they don't know what to do and they don't know really what to say. I feel like there are so many people who have um, lost someone that they care about, who've lost their partner, but it doesn't feel like it is commonly talked about. No, Mm -mm. that's exactly why we started this podcast is to get it out there and for people to feel comfortable to talk about it and to come to a space that it's okay to talk about losing somebody. Yeah. so cathartic. Yes. Share your story because if we can invoke change in any way, we can, and change might be, you know, support, it could be advice, you know, whatever that looks like. We want to give you a forum to, to share that and feel comfortable with it. (music) 
now's a good time to kind of segue over to share with us a little bit more about your story, your journey. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. So I met my husband, Nick, through his brother. Actually, we had worked together at a company here in Omaha. It was my first job out of college. We had all, you know, after work and things would meet up, happy hours, different events during the weekends. And Nick was kind of around. We were both from Iowa and had moved to Nebraska after college. And we were both big Hawkeye fans. I know, big gasp in the room. Uh, But, (laughs) and so we had somewhat connected on the fact that, that we were both Iowa fans living in Nebraska. And his brother. Where are you from in Iowa? So I grew up in um, a suburb of Des Moines. Okay. Okay. Yeah. uh, Just north of Des Moines there. And he had grown up in Mason City, Iowa, which is north central Iowa, about 20, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. south of the Iowa-Minnesota border. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we didn't know each other growing up or anything, but had met here. And his brother had moved back to eastern Iowa um, to take a different job. And we were thinking about going to a Hawkeye game to visit him, to go tailgating, and Nick was going to come with us. We have a super fun time at the game tailgating and had been, you know, drinking all day. And he had asked me, oh, hey, do you want to, you know, maybe grab some dinner sometime? And in the moment, I kind of froze up because I was like, well, I mean, I work with his brother. If this doesn't go well, this could be really awkward. I don't know if this is the best idea. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. Would love to totally get dinner as friends sometime (laughs) and kind of shot him down. Right. I feel a little bad about it now. But at the moment, I like I said, I kind of panicked. And so a couple months go by and we still kind of bump into each other, hang out. And finally, we had gone to another party together and really connected again. And so the next day he came over, watched a movie at my house. I say that he left his pop can there as his way to like immediately text me back because I like he leaves like 10 minutes later after the movie and he's like, hey, sorry about that pop can on your floor. By the way, do you want to get dinner sometime this week? (laughs) (laughs) And I had said that that was all planned. He He had always maintained that it was a total accident. But after that, we were together and we started dating. We moved in and got an apartment together about a year after we had been dating and I had told him at the time, like I had never lived with a boyfriend. And so this to me was a really big step. And if we were moving in together, that it meant that we were on that path to get married. It meant that that this was going to be a long-term thing. And he was like, yes, same here. You know, we kind of talked to our parents about it and they weren't Super thrilled about us moving in together um, right away. But at the same time, they were super supportive. I really close to Nick's family. He was very close to mine. And so we ended up, we got married on the 1st of October back in Des Moines. Had a gorgeous fall wedding. Everything was, you know, very fall themed and colors and it worked out perfectly. The day was beautiful. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had nieces and nephews. On the dance floor, I really love having kids at weddings because I think that they're the most fun. Yeah, they are the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Like his nephew Max was break dancing on the floor, and I look at his sister and I'm like, "Where did he learn this?" She said, "I have no idea." And he was just having the most fun, um, and so it was a really you know great celebration. Mm-hmm. And then you know we 
stayed in our apartment for a while longer, got our house. We had bought our house in 2012 with the hope to have a family. Mm -hmm. That was something that we both really wanted. Um, We wanted to have kids and we wanted to buy our house so that we could expand yeah. uh, our family. And we, you know, both of our families still living back in Iowa. We also wanted, you know, place for yeah. people to stay to come visit. Yeah. Um, and so we had first gotten a dog because that was, you know, kind the of step. that first yeah. step. Yeah. Yes. Did the same. Yeah. He was, Nick was a very big Top Gun fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also a very big Top Gun fan. And so when we got our chocolate lab puppy, which first of all, he said, oh, we're, we can go look at puppies <laughs> and anyone who's ever gone to look at puppies knows that you don't look at puppies You're you coming. buy a yeah. puppy <laughs> um and so we we got this little fat chocolate lab who Aww. was super fuzzy Aww. and named him goose um, because he was nick's little wingman <laughs> um, after top gun and the first trick that nick taught him was he would say, talk to me, Goose, and the dog would bark. Oh, oh my gosh. As a throwback to the movie. It was great. The dog at the time did not listen to me at all. I could yell for hours trying to get him to come in the house and he could care less. Um, Nick would walk by the sliding glass door and just kind of yell outside like, hey, Goose, get in here. And the dog comes trotting in. <laughs> so frustrated, right? But that was just kind of who Nick was, is that effortless, like he had a a commanding presence in such an effortless way that Mm -hmm. like he had the best laugh. He was so funny. He researched everything. You know, he was the person that, oh, somebody in the family is going to buy a new washer and dryer. We'll put Nick on the case. He'll read all of the consumer reports. (laughs) He's going to read all of the reviews. He's going to find... I mean, with your mattress, right? He would have found the best mattress for you because he would have researched everything possible and had 87 different reasons why this was the one that you needed oh to go God. with. Nick, give me a sign. I need to make sure I got the right one. Do you hear me? Right. And so he was just such a thoughtful person. I remember one time we had had a New Year's Eve party at our house and invited a bunch of friends over. And in typical like girl planning fashion, I had been cooking all day, made sure the house was clean. The last thing that I was going to do was get ready. Everyone was supposed to show up at like, I don't know, five, something like that. And so I'm getting ready. It's 4.15. And he's like, well, I'm going to run to the store. And I was like, what? What do you? And he said, well, I, I noticed that we didn't have these one kind of chips that somebody who was coming over had eaten one time at our house. And so he was like, I really want to get this chips for this person. And then I know this other person really likes to drink this particular cocktail and we don't have the mix for it. And he was just, he was the person that was going to notice those things and going to run to the store last minute to make sure that we had the things that you liked on hand in the event that all of the other food that we had made (laughs) wasn't the right fit for you. It was a dumpster fire. Right, right. Like that the sliders that we had made didn't turn out and the chips and dip didn't work, but we had the one particular kind of chip that that one time he saw you eat. (laughs) And so he was going to make sure that that was available for you. And that was very much who Nick was. And then it got to 2015 and we had kind of started to, to try and have a family and it wasn't for whatever reason, working. And so I had gone to the doctor 
They had referred me to a fertility specialist. We had done some testing and it was kind of undiagnosed infertility. So we started doing the IUI rounds um, and we had, so it was injections Mm -hmm. every day, blood draws every day for a couple of weeks. I am a very big needle phobe. I do not love needles. And so Nick did a great job. He did all of my injections. He was very, very great at making sure I was as calm as possible. We had this you know, very orchestrated routine of like, I'd lay down, I'd have the dog next to me. I'd have some, you know, TV show friends or something on that, like really calm environment (laughs) while he was like, you know, getting these shots ready to jam into my leg, you know? And so we did that and we were unsuccessful three times, which was, it sucked. And so then we had decided and, and in talking with our doctors, you're going to take about a month off. Um, and by this point, it was fall of 2015. And we were going to take a month off just to kind of let our body's hormones get back to baseline. During all of this, Nick was being treated for depression. And so he had a, a doctor that he was talking to. He was on um, antidepressants. He was on some anti-anxiety medications and was talking to a therapist just to kind of work through some of those challenges. It was something that he had kind of struggled with on and off throughout his life. And he was kind of going in, he was in a a bit of a slump at that point, but was very much committed to, you know, his own survivals, his own, you know, Mm -hmm. support as to trying to fight through that mental illness. And one of the things that we had recognized was Um, One of the medications that he was on had really had an impact on his fertility um, in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And so as we were going through spending all of this money, and of course, fertility treatments are not free, our fertility doctor and his his mental health doctor had basically gotten together and decided to change his medication. And um, so they put him on a different medication that should still help with the depression and anxiety, however, wouldn't have such a negative impact on the fertility aspect. So we felt Mm -hmm. good about that. I had had a work trip coming up where I was going to go out to San Francisco for work. um, And I was flying out a weekend early to go spend some time with one of my best friends, Chanel, who had lived out there. Mm -hmm. And so it happened to be Halloween weekend. And so I was going to fly out there on a Saturday with her hang out all weekend, go meet up with some of our other friends, be in the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then come home after that. So mm-hmm. Saturday morning, very early, I, you know, get up. He kind of says, bye. He had said, oh, I'm going to miss you as you're gone. Like, I'm bummed that you're not going to be here for Halloween. And I said, oh, but you're going to have so much fun. He had plans with the neighbors across the street to hand out candy and just kind of mm-hmm. hang out with a fire pit in the driveway, very Nebraska style, mm-hmm. right? Yes. right? We've all had those, oh, those yeah. Halloweens. And so I said, you know, I'll call you when I get, I get to California. So I fly out, I land, I'm talking to him all day. You know, my friend Chanel and I were going out to eat. We saw a movie. It's Halloween. Mm-hmm. So we go out, we have some cocktails. We get back to her house at 11 mm-hmm. that night, California time somewhere. Uh, maybe it was before then, but, and I call Nick 
I tell him about our evening. He was telling me about this funny story that happened at the neighbors across the street. They were having a couple beers, having a good time. He was, you know, getting ready to head home. And so I was like, great, well, I'm going to go to sleep. Wanted to let you know I made it home safe. Like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I hung up and I went to bed. And I got up the next morning and I had all of these missed calls on my phone. My friend Chanel comes out and she said, Susie, our boss, had just called Sarah. You need to call your family. You need to call Nick's mom. And I was like, why, why is his mom talking to my boss? Like, that was just so weird. And so we called Nick. He called his phone and had, was like just trying to check in, see what was going on. And he didn't answer. And so I called his mom. And I was like, hey, like, what's what's going on? And she said, hey, we, we need Chanel's address. We need, we need to send somebody over to talk to you. And I was like, what? No, like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And she said, Nick died by suicide last night. And I could not process it. This is where I feel like my memory gets very spotty mm-hmm. because like the whole day is very much a blur. But I was in total shock, didn't believe it, started crying, of course, mm-hmm. needed to figure out how to get home at this point. And my boss and Chanel helped to get flights, book flights. Chanel was going to come with me, so I didn't have to go alone. I had called my mom to let her know, but just even saying it out loud, it didn't feel real. And I think in my mind, I was thinking like, if I get home and I get there, like I'll figure out like, this isn't, this isn't real. This isn't happening, that everything's fine, Mm -hmm. that he's fine. I kept trying to call his phone throughout this, even after Mm -hmm. finding out that he had died. Cause again, I don't think that I was really processing this. So I get home, get back to, I land in Omaha and he had died in our house. And there was at the time law enforcement officers who were there who were doing a wellness check because after I had called and talked to him that evening, he had then called his family, was talking to them and was saying some things that they really were starting to worry that made them concerned enough to, they got on the road to start to make the four-hour drive from Mason City, Iowa, back to to Omaha Mm -hmm. just to be with him because they were so concerned. But because it's four hours, they called law enforcement to do a wellness check. Mm -hmm. And when he died, we had law enforcement on the scene. And as a result of that and some other things that happened, I couldn't go to my house. I couldn't get into my house. And so we had to stay at a hotel. All I had were the clothes that I had brought for the weekend for my work trip. I couldn't access anything in my house. After the police officers had shown up and they were trying to talk him out of the house, they finally decided to enter the home. Mm -hmm. And so they had gotten into the house, gone upstairs, and had seen some evidence of gunshots. And so their policy was to retreat out of the house, to then shoot tear gas into the house, 
before they would re-enter because they didn't know if it was an active shooter. What they didn't know was he he had already died by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they went back in and that's where they found him. Um, and he had passed away because of that. My house was covered in tear gas mm-hmm. and I couldn't, everything in my house was also covered in tear gas. And so I couldn't get that. I was staying at this hotel. We were trying to get his body taken back to Des Moines, which is where we were going to have the funeral. Um, So we had followed, um, the funeral home had arranged the transportation. We had followed on the interstate to get back to Des Moines to have the funeral. And I remember as we were planning everything, again, I was just very much wanted to make sure his family was also okay with the decisions that I was making because Mm -hmm. like, as you know, no one talks about really planning a funeral, especially when you are in your early thirties and you're not terminally ill. Right. Right. So I had no idea what he wanted. Did he want to be cremated? Did he want to be buried? Like, did he want to have a funeral? Like, I don't, I don't know these questions. Mm -hmm. So I was talking with his family. I wanted them to make sure that they were comfortable because as much as I was grieving my husband, they were grieving their son, their brother. And I wanted, I didn't want to choose wrong. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know, I just wanted to make sure that the choices that I were making for him were what they felt would be what he wanted as well. Because mm-hmm. I I had only been with him for eight years and they had known him. He was 33. And so I like, I just didn't feel like not including them, not having their opinion, that wouldn't have been right. Mm-hmm. That's so great. You guys have such a good relationship that that can be really strong through the process. Yes. It helps. Oh my gosh. It's so helpful. So we got through the funeral and then after that, just everything, all of the paperwork of death was so overwhelming to me because I didn't have a death certificate yet. When somebody dies, when police are present, they have to do a grand jury. Oh. And Nick died on the 1st of November, 2015. And so they had Thanksgiving, they had Christmas, they had New Year's. All of those things pushed all of these grand juries out. And so I didn't get a death certificate until late January, which means things like changing my cable bill mm-hmm. to my name. I couldn't do because I didn't have proof that he had died. And he, I'm not the world's greatest with money sometimes. I really like to, <laughs> you know, go shopping and shoes and purses and those things. And so Nick was very much the one, the responsible mm-hmm. one. You know, the bills were in his name. And me just trying to understand like, what did I need to pay? What did I owe? Who needed money? How was I going to pay this? And every single time I would call people to try and say, I think I need to to get a bill paid, they'd be like, well, we need to talk to your husband. And I would say, well, he's passed away. Well, do you have proof? Could you send us a death certificate? We can't get anything until it's sent us a death certificate. Oh, wait, first you got to add, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Yes. Fuck you. Do you have all these things? Right. And most of the time, They didn't even say that. I remember the hardest part was, so I had had to file an insurance claim on my house 
to get everything sure. cleaned up from just how he had passed. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to call my mortgage company to pay my house mortgage. Mm-hmm. And they had said, well, we can't, you know, we have to talk to Nick. And I'd say, do you see that I have an open claim on my home? Because the mortgage company and the insurance company are talking to each other. Yes, we can see that you have an open claim. Okay, he, my husband passed away. That is why that claim is open. I need to pay you. I understand my name is not on this loan. How do I get this paid? Well, we need to talk to your husband. And like in the moment, I wanted to be like, well, let me hand you a shovel. Good luck. He he died. Like, I don't know how many times I need to tell you he died. I am trying to pay you so that my house doesn't go into foreclosure. How do we make this happen? Like, I don't have the paperwork you need. You see the insurance claim. I just need to give you money. How do we give you money? Why would a stranger want to pay your house? (laughs) Right, right. Like, and it wasn't also, it wasn't even like trying to get information. It was like, I am trying to give you money. Help me spend this money with you. And they were like, no, no. And I just remember being so angry because it was everything. Every single call that I had to make, the electric bill, the phone bills, like everything. I had to explain this story over and over. And because I'm young and because he died young, almost always the first thing I would say is my husband's passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Cancer. And I would just kind of pause and say no. And not really offer up anything else because you don't always want to relive the worst moment of your life. Absolutely. And then sometimes they would get it and move on. And sometimes they would say, oh, heart attack? Still no. (laughs) No. And then finally, they might say, well, how did he die? Which to me is such a horrible question. Yes. If I'm not giving you that information... I probably don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how he died. All that matters is he is no longer here. How he died is feels like gossip that you just don't need. If I've not openly shared that information, stop asking. Yeah. Just stop asking. And so. I think this is a good spot to say this is another thing not to say to people. Yes. Because. Like you, Sarah, I get asked that question a lot Mm -hmm. when people find out that my husband passed. Well, how did he die? It's like, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. Because there's really no reason for it, right? It doesn't change the circumstances. Yeah. He's gone. You you should help somebody no matter how their husband died or how Mm -hmm. anybody died. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just... It's more of a, as you said, a gossip gossip, or just yeah. a curiosity. And I realize it's probably not coming from the wrong place. Right. No. But just so the audience knows, don't yes, ask that I. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point to bring up. Like, yeah, that's just, if we haven't shared it. Right. It doesn't. Right, Allie, you're so right. It does. The circumstance doesn't change the outcome mm-hmm. ever. It doesn't change where we're at in this moment. And so I would often say he either died by suicide or he lost his battle to depression because I feel that suicide death at, at a young age, as, as you both well know, is a very taboo topic anyway, that people don't really know how to talk about grief. They don't really know how to talk about death Mm -hmm. and they end up saying things that they really want to say things that are helpful and they just end up being hurtful or dismissive. 
But when you talk about suicide, there is such a stigma around that beyond death and beyond grief that people tend to say things that are even more triggering or say things that are borderline hurtful. There's, you know, religious beliefs that come into play here. There are things that people will say like, oh, did you see any signs? And that one was always very hard for me because I wanted to be like, you know what? I did. I did. And I still left town. No, I didn't see any signs. Had I have seen signs, it wouldn't have happened. I would have been there. Like, I would have stopped this. Like, no. Mm -hmm. But I know that they don't mean it in that way. But at the same time, I think people don't know what else to say. And so they just start grasping at straws, right? It's so unfamiliar to people. Death Mm -hmm. just is so foreign. And how you arrive at the end result, like people just, you know, well, what if you would have done this? Or do you think you should try this? Mm -hmm. I had people call me all the time and I I tried to do whatever I could do. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't change the outcome. Mm -hmm. And all the coulda, woulda, didja, it doesn't matter. Don't ask about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing, don't ask about it. And I feel like, too, I, I don't have a problem having a conversation with someone if I have time to really talk about how amazing Nick was because my biggest fear has always been how he died would be the defining part of him to other people who didn't know him. And it's such an inconsequential piece of who he was. And so if I don't have time to talk about all of the amazing things that he was, I don't want you to walk away with just knowing how he died. And so that as I've gone through like my own grief journey, that's something that's been really important to me is making sure that there is a purpose to all of this, what I like to call all of the suck that happens Mm -hmm. as a part of death and a part of dying by suicide and just being one of the people left behind to pick up those pieces. Sarah, you are an amazing widow. This is a hearing that message just gave me goosebumps. Chills. I've had goosebumps this whole time. I have too. And I love how at the end of the day you celebrate Nick. Nick Mm -hmm. is who Nick is. Right. Again, what happened is the end result. It doesn't change that Nick is amazing, that Ross is amazing, Eric's Mm -hmm. amazing, that that Garner and, you know, every other you know, person that died is amazing. Let's focus on that. Let's yeah. celebrate. Which is also, Crystal, why you did the obituary. That because is. you are celebrating his life. Mm-hmm. Death is not defining. Mm-hmm. There's so, you have your whole life before that. And we should celebrate that. Everybody's life. Yeah. Is, I just, beautiful. So one of the things that I really wanted to do with his with his parents um, was to create a scholarship. So- I was saying earlier how he was the researcher. Um, He got his degree in geographical information systems, which um, is a lot of mapping and Mm -hmm. things. It's all technology, (laughs) things that I don't uh, that I'm not really great with. But he was so passionate about it. It was something that he was so proud of the work that he did. But then in his spare time, he would go on these fishing trips with his dad and his brother and some friends. Mm -hmm. And he would buy all of the satellite data for the lake that they were going on. He would then read all of the blogs to see 
at what depth and what temperature they were catching, what kind (laughs) of fish and what colors of lures and all of these things that, you know, he would then map out so that his end goal was so that when they went on this week long trip, they could have the best possible time because they weren't spending time trying to figure out on the lake where to catch fish, that they would have the most fun. And so I wanted to start a scholarship at uh, the University of Iowa where he graduated from in that department for um, somebody studying in that program. And the only qualifications really that I had put for that was that it was somebody who was as passionate about it as Nick was. Oh, and I was like, Sarah. I want I want to support the person that Nick would love to sit down and geek out next to. And I want to continue to encourage that in someone else. And so that that is how his love and his passion can continue to impact other people in a positive way. And It is a scholarship that I believe is now an endowment that will be there forever. Um, And so every year there's a Nick Pape scholarship recipient there that will continue to uh, foster that love that that he was so excited about. So, yeah, he was also really excited about weather. And you were talking about um, (laughs) did we know that it was going to snow? And my first thought was. Absolutely not, because Nick was the person who checked the weather, <laughs> he and I never did. I never did, and he would always have to tell me, like, "Hey, make sure and be aware of this because it's going to snow tomorrow." Because I was so aloof about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh. that's crazy! Eric checked the weather too. So did you read the paper. I yeah. wonder if that is a man thing. I don't know, but oh, Eric always knew what the weather was going to be. Yes. Now I tell Millie to do it because she tries to like step up and be dad in some ways in the house. It's cute, but she mm-hmm. checks the weather for me because, you know, I'm not going to. <laughs> so you mentioned your kids. So one of the other things that I found that people sometimes say to me that they don't realize that it's hurtful is they will say like, oh, did you have any kids? And I say, no, we didn't have any kids. And oh, well, you're, I mean, at least you didn't have any kids. And I recognize the amount of challenge and strength that it would take to manage your own grief as well as your children and having to see them lose a parent and handle that too. But on the other side of it, it's also so painful because I look at people who have kids and they get a, they get a piece of that their person still existing in the world and that legacy that still goes on and that is what we were looking for and that's what we wanted and couldn't have and so it's so hurtful that I don't have kids that I don't have that piece of him that's still you know living on that I have with me is that family day to day and so that's always so hard as well so like as another, you know, what not to say to a widow, like it's just as hard in a very different way to not have kids sometimes as to have kids and manage through this process. My gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, That is a great, that's a great advice that I've never thought about. It's just perspective that I've never heard before. So add it to the list, Allie. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I just (laughs) 
My girl is big. <laughs> she's a feeler. I am. And I, I just. She I, um, feels hard. Yeah, I do. I just. You're amazing. You are amazing. <laughs> this has been absolutely like eye opening for an experience that I I have never been a part of. Um, and my heart goes to your journey because, as you know, like we're all going through something mm-hmm. in this journey no matter where it starts, no matter where it ends, is so hard. It is so, so hard. And again, nothing that happens in between changes the end result. I think, um, like I said, he died November 1st, 2015. And each year, you know, you were mentioning um, New Year's resolutions and things. I try and continue to think about the things that I want to challenge myself to do, to step outside of my comfort zone that would continue to honor Nick. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was a doer. Um, He was always the one Saturday morning, we're doing projects, what, what's Mm -hmm. going on, what's next. Um, And so as I've continued to, I remember thinking like I could, I'm 32 when he died, I could lay in bed and just be sad for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. And everyone would understand and look at her and say, what a tragic story that was. And I just remember thinking, well, that sucks. Like I want to live a very long time and I don't want that to be my story either. And so what can I do to continue to honor? Like I also thought Nick would be pissed at me if that is the direction I decided to go because he would absolutely be like, get up, go do something. You need to do something. And so as I've grown looking to, I've moved into management Mm -hmm. at work um, and I manage the most amazing team of people across the world, which has allowed me to travel to different countries. I have been able to meet some of the most amazing people and friends throughout this process and, and get to stay so close to his family. You guys were talking about St. Patrick's Day. So his parents were in town on St. Patrick's oh, Day, and yeah. I am finally at a place where I decided I want to sell the house that Nick and I bought together mm-hmm. and am building a new house. And so it was my house now was the house that we bought. And then it was my first house that I ever lived in by myself. And now I'm ready to move on to the next stage of my story. So I his parents came into town and we went and toured the framed house that I'm going to be moving into. And we cheers to Guinness in (laughs) my new house for the next stage of wherever this journey of life takes us. So that was such a special moment too, but I'm still very close with them. I turned 40 this year. And so Becky and I are going on the most fabulous trip oh, across where? Morocco. No way. Um, God. Yeah. Oh. So we're going to do all the things like sleep in a tent in the Sahara. We're going to balloon Can we ride. Go? Yeah. Yes, do you absolutely. need two more hot widows? To absolutely. Join? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. So, like, when is your birthday? Um, It's in June. So June 8th. So oh, my God. I'm going to, you know, I was like, again, there are so many choices you can make in your life to be sad that Ugh. your life didn't turn out the the way that you had planned. Mm-hmm. And I I want to be able to look back and say there's some shitty things that happened that were awful and that I would take back in a heartbeat. But 
given the hand that you're dealt, I want to make the most of what I have. And I feel like that's right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the best way to honor Nick is that he would be so proud. He was always so proud of all of the different things that I was doing. So I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you. (laughs) You are amazing. You are an inspiration. Like this is you are amazing. I hope that I can continue to be like you. I like I aspire to yes. like accept my journey the way that you're that you've managed it. And it's it's amazing. I know one of the things you said that really resonated with me is that I could have laid in bed all day long mm-hmm. and I could have done all these things. And Eric would have said the same thing. Like, stop. Yes. I, and finally, at like maybe eight or nine months, someone said, you got to stop saying Eric would want this or Eric would want that or Eric wouldn't want that. He's dead. So now you just need to figure out what you want <laughs> mm-hmm. and and man, I don't know. Maybe it was you. I don't remember who it I was. I was in a fog, but um, that resonated with me. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I do need to stop thinking about like blaming it on him. Like, well, mm-hmm. he would have wanted me this and, and mm-hmm. he would have wanted that. And now I'm just fueled by him and like, I'm yeah. doing this mm-hmm. and I'm sure it makes him happy. But yeah. I know that he caught, he taught me to be the woman I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking earlier about that community of widows and you feel that you have that connection. And I feel like all of us have that rift in your life. There's who you were before your person passed and who you are after. And I feel like I have learned so much about myself as a part of this. I also went through a lot of therapy, which was, I mean, a big plug for therapy in general, but definitely Mm -hmm. grief therapy. I think Mm -hmm. I had a therapist maybe a week after Nick died because I was like, well, I don't know how to handle this. Like I'd never really had a significant death in my life before, let alone a spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, through therapy, it was learning about who you are, how to process, how to talk about your feelings, how to share and give meaning to other people, how to interact and react to people in a way, because I feel like you're so angry and you're so upset and your life has stopped and everyone else's has continued to go on, which seems really unfair uh, at the time and can be very triggering. And then people have nothing but the best intentions of, of mm-hmm. how are you doing and what can I help? And I remember thinking like when people would ask, well, how are you doing? Again, I wanted to be like, well, my husband just died. So (laughs) pretty fucking awful. Um, But again, that like that's not what where they were coming from. And so my therapist had said, tell them to ask, how are you doing right now? And that time box for me was super helpful because it's not like in the overall grand scheme of things, everything sucks. But in this moment, I got out of bed today, showered. I'm not crying. I had a funny moment where I laughed about something and didn't feel guilty for the first time smiling in, you know, two months. And that how are you doing right now was another thing that was really powerful for me because it also gave me permission to have both feelings of grief and sadness and moments of happiness and joy together without feeling guilty or without feeling like I wasn't honoring him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. I remember feeling like, like when can, when is it safe for me to smile and laugh mm-hmm. and have fun? And it took me, it took me a minute to get there. I was the one who did lay on the couch 
It was mm-hmm. a couch, not the bed. I got a great new couch after Eric died. Watched a lot of Gilmore Girls. Uh, that's a long series. It can take about a year. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I did. I laid on the couch and there were some days I was like, well, I made it from the bed to the couch. I suppose that's progress. And, you know, I made it to work today and, you know, that's progress. I was really hard on myself until I just one day woke up and I was like, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. It's not me. Like, I need to give myself permission to have fun and mm-hmm. enjoy life and live it. And so I'm glad I did. Wish I would have met you guys sooner. <laughs> I wish we were where we were today when we first met. Yeah, but I don't think we would be where we're at today. I know. I know. You but know? it just feels so good now. Like, do you feel that sense of togetherness with Becky? Like, where is like the world? Like, it has, like we can take on the world. Yes. Like, with Absolutely. your best widow friend. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I also feel like you have those moments where you're right back in where it feels like you just lost them a week ago. Mm -hmm. And what I always felt is the hardest moments are the small little things like the day that he passed his birthday, our wedding anniversary. Like I know that those are going to be hard days for me. So I prepare mentally. I have Mm -hmm. people around me to support me. It's the moments where I don't know how to program the thermostat in the house because he had it on a program and I never really had to do that. So I'm now trying to figure it out and I've now broken it and the thermostat doesn't work anymore. And now I don't even know who to call to fix it. And that's the point where I have found myself sitting on my floor crying Mm -hmm. because I'm so frustrated that he's just not here to fix it because that was something that he would have done to take care of me because those are the things that like, that was the way that he showed his affection. Mm -hmm. And so it's those little unexpected moments that are the ones that are the hardest because you can't plan, you can't prepare. They usually hit you in not great times. Total vulnerability. Yes, totally. I'm with you though. It's the things that I don't know how to do. It's like, I don't know how to fix something and it's always house stuff, but it, it uh-huh. for me, it is also kid things, kid related things that I'm like, I just wish you were here mm-hmm. to just help mm-hmm. fix this situation because I am, I'm at my limit, you yeah. know? And that's what Ross would have done is he would have been there to just help just fix without even me asking. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, now I have to ask for help, which we all know is very hard for Allie, <laughs> but I just wish you would, would just do it, right? right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, you you want to be self-sufficient. You want to be able to say, like, I've got this. And then the, in those other moments where you're like, I just want somebody here. You know, we were talking about the snow today. I have to shovel. Yeah. I have a snowblower, by the way. It's a real nice one. Nick picked it out. It's way bigger than what we need for our driveway. But in the moment, I was like, well, I mean, this is your toy. As long as I don't have to deal with this, like, that's great. Buy a snowblower. There are worse ways to spend money. And now I don't know how to turn the snowblower on. Amen. Like I, I have so many things in my garage. Or you're I, like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. It, it just sits there. I, yeah. And I can't get rid of it no. for the sentimental purposes that Ross loved it. And he picked out this version because mm-hmm. oh he talked about this version about how it's the best. Uh-huh. I don't even remember what he said, uh-huh. but it was, I just knew that his face was lit up telling mm-hmm. me about this <laughs> snowblower, about right. this weed whacker, about this mower. Yeah. And 
I, I don't know how to use any of them. No. And they've oh just sat God. there. The first summer Eric died. So he died in February. And then that first summer I had to do my own yard care. Like oh I God. don't the know worst. why I didn't like, contract it out, but I was determined that summer I'm going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be an independent woman. I'm going to do this myself. And I remember like mowing and I couldn't get the mower started. And then I finally had to call Dan, my neighbor, to come over, get it started, get me going. I'm crying. Uh-huh. Always. Yeah. And Dan, the neighbor, doesn't know what to do. Sweetest guy ever. So close to Eric. So close to me. But he's a man. <laughs> and I'm a widow crying over the mower. And he's trying to console so me. Hard. Then I get done mowing and have to weed eat with Eric's. Eric wouldn't do gas, electric, anything. Like, it was always a pole and always, always had to be. Oh, yeah, that's all we have. Yeah, the, the hardest thing to work. Same. Because they're the best per yes. Ross. I don't, yes, per Eric. Same. <laughs> these big, per fancy Eric. weed whackers. And he has two of them. And I'm trying to get it started. I can't get it started. I took that fucking weed whacker and I just slammed it <laughs> on the ground. And then I went inside, took a picture of it, and posted it on Facebook Marketplace and put it on my curb and said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, never dealing with your weed whackers again. Went and bought a battery-powered weed whacker. So that was the only thing of Eric's I've gotten rid of. I promised him I wouldn't get rid of anything. But I told you about the weed whacker, babe, so you knew. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have a, I have all this stuff, too. And I, I he taught my daughter how to use a lot of it, which is really funny and so cute and very sweet. Uh, but I don't have a clue what I'm doing. No. Gosh, no. Oh, my gosh. I, I had a moment one time where... My, I was making, I don't know. I had a friend who had invited me to one of those parties where you like meal prep together. Right. Oh. And so you had to. Yeah. That's a party. I mean, it's a thing. I've never been to invited to a party. And Nobody would invite you to a meal prep party. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Wouldn't even, cons- your thought, your name wouldn't even run across my mind for oh. that party. I mean, you invite me to all parties. Okay. Okay. 24.5 <laughs> hours a day. You're running through my mind. But that moment I wouldn't think, gee, I shouldn't invite. Sorry to interrupt. I didn't, I've never heard of a meal prep party. So I, in order to do this, you had to prep for the meal prep party. Oh. And so you had to do all of this like dicing and things with vegetables. Oh. And so I put all of this stuff down my disposal and of course it clogs. <laughs> yeah. And I look at it and I was just like, not today. And so I left and I was like, this is a future Sarah problem. Yeah. And so this is a Sunday so the next day, Monday at work, I go to work and I'm talking to a couple guys at work and they're like, you can fix this. It's real easy. You can plunge your sink. With a plunger? Like, yeah, with oh. a plunger. And so they're like, just look up the video on YouTube. It's really easy and that should handle it for you. You don't oh. have to call a plumber. Because I was like, do you call a plumber? Do you call a handyman? Like, what if it's like, are there garbage dis- disposal repair people? I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So I get home and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And I go and I've got now a day, day and a half old, like water and floating vegetables in this sink. Okay. But I'm like, it smells delicious. It it was great. (laughs) Like soup fucking surprise. (laughs) Fart soup. And I go to plunge this. And the piece that I missed on the video is you have to plug the other side of the sink. Oh, so did when it I plunge, <laughs> it exploded this all over Gross. my kitchen, all over me. And again, I had a breakdown moment where I was pissed and I was like, I can't fucking believe this. Oh my I'm God. so mad. 
because I never even try these things. <laughs> and then I try and look what happens. <sighs> so I then cleaned up the explosion of mess and called a plumber who came and fixed it the next day um, and was like, never again. Like that's <laughs> this is where some people really enjoy figuring stuff out. Nick loved it. He <gasps> absolutely loved figuring yes. stuff out. It infuriates me. I don't know if it's just my personality or if I don't have patience, but like if it doesn't work the first time, I'm pissed and I'm done and I would much rather pay somebody mm -hmm. to take care of this and just manage it and make it go away. My God, we are soul <laughs> sisters. And I did do, so I literally, I have no idea who you were before we <laughs> went on here. So I did a little bit of like probably background so yeah. I knew. And we're in similar industries, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me one bit that we are so aligned <laughs> in that um, in that journey. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what else. To say. I yeah. don't think we're in the same industry, though. We're, no. So, what exactly do you do? So, I um, I manage a global training team. Oh, okay. Uh, for LinkedIn. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So I get to talk to people all over the world, and it's amazing. I bet. I'm really excited for your trip in June. Oh, I am too. That is so, so cool. Yeah. And like, it's one of those celebrations of being able to say not where I thought I would be at 40. I thought I would have a husband and a family and kids. Instead, I am single and a widow. And I don't know if kids are in my future, but I don't want to have have my birthday come and just be upset that I'm not where I thought I was going to be because I feel like I am in a different place that I never thought possible. Like the day after Nick died, if you were to say, here's where you will be when you're 40, here's the things that you've accomplished, here's the things that you've been able to do and see and the people that you will have in your life, like that would not have seemed possible to me in that moment. And so I feel like I want to go and celebrate that because it is still such an amazing win, right? Like taking it. and picking up the pieces and putting them back together to make something broken, but still beautiful. That's, I have an idea. Yeah. Let me know if you're okay with this, but I think you should come on here after your trip. Yeah. And I think you should update the audience. Absolutely. About Becky too. Yeah. Everything that you have accomplished since mm -hmm. Nick has passed. And I think that would be awesome to hear. Absolutely. You know, what would be cool, Allie, is if our widow listeners out there who are going through this situation, mm -hmm. think about as you guys are working through your journey, mm -hmm. spend some time writing that down. Think about who you met between now and whether your husband died yesterday or seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, think about what you've accomplished and be proud of that. Like today I wash my hair, you yeah. know, like really yeah. think about all the cool shit you do. Cause I would never have thought a, two years ago that I would be here today. I thought I would quit my job and lay on my couch and mm -hmm. just literally turn into my couch. I have, so I had mentioned my friend Chanel, Mm -hmm. who was with me when I found out mm -hmm. and her and I are still, you know, super close. And the first New Year's after Nick died, we were together um, and she had challenged me to write down a list of things that I wanted to do in the next year, no matter how big or small. So maybe it was being able to feel safe in my house by myself. I had never lived alone. 
And so the idea of living alone was very scary to me. It was simple things like being able to get my house in my name or pay my bills or getting his funeral um, headstone completed, getting his scholarship set up, those things that I wanted to accomplish. And she said, write it down, put it in a list, seal it in an envelope and look at it next year. And not only had I crossed off almost everything on that list, like unknowingly throughout the year, Mm -hmm. but then had also like changed jobs and moved into management, Mm -hmm. had taken some international trips to different countries for the first, like things that when I was making that list would have seemed insurmountable. And just to see that growth in a year was really eye-opening because you don't feel like your grief or pain goes away. Mm -mm. You just learn how to manage it a little differently because you still love them. You still miss them and you still think about them all the time, but you can do that and still enjoy the life you have today. That doesn't mean like they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And that was a really big aha moment for me. Perfect. You're an inspiration. Inspiration. I feel like we should end on that. It was so, thank you for coming on here. Yeah, of course. We're going to be best friends forever now. Of course. Yes. Yeah. We are. And I want to hear come all to about Morocco. your trip. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. I want to come. Yeah. Yes. I don't want to invite myself, but I am. Yeah, no, I know. I want, I do want to invite myself. I was just, yeah. I just can't go without my boo. <laughs> uh, that Sarah, I mean, everything you shared today is so helpful. I mean, I, I'm audience. If you have questions for Sarah, I'm yeah. ho- I'm sure you're okay with with us connecting um, Sarah with anyone out there who wants to learn more about her, hear more about her story, her journey. We are every member of the Hot Widows Club podcast is always here to support anyone who is going through an event. So please reach out to us if there's anything that we can do to connect you with our guests. You can reach us at our email at hotwidowsclubpodcast at gmail.com or check us out on any of our socials. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Good night, Hot Widows Club Podcast. Good night. Go Jays.